Chapter 10 of Hindu Tales or The Adventures of Ten Princes by Danton Translated by P. W. Jacob This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Siddharth Chapter 10 Adventures of Mitragupta My lord, I set out on my travels in search of you, like the rest. In arriving one day at Damalipta, I saw a great crowd collected in a large park outside the city, while looking about me to find someone of whom I might inquire what this festival was, I espied a young man sitting alone in an arbor, amusing himself with playing on a lute. Going up to him, I asked, What is this concourse of people? Why do you sit here alone, away from the others? He answered, A long time ago the king of this country, having no children, made many prayers and offerings to the goddess Durga, in the hope of propitiating her, at last she appeared to him in a dream and said, Your prayer is granted. Your wife shall bear twins, a daughter who must be your successor, and a son who must be subject to her and to her husband when she marries. Further, it is my will and pleasure that, beginning from her seventh year, you shall make every month, when the moon is in the constellation Kritika, or the Pleiades, a great festival to be called the Festival of the Ball Dance at which she shall publicly exhibit her skill before the people. I also will that in reference to a husband, she shall have free choice without any pressure on your part, and that he whom she marries shall have equal power with her and deem after your death. The promise given in the dream was fulfilled. The queen bore twins, a son and a daughter. The king has duly obeyed the commands of the goddess, and today the princess whose name is Kandukavati, will again perform the ball dance for the propitiation of Durga in the sight of the people here assembled. You ask me also why I am sitting here alone. I will tell you. The princess Kandukavati has a dear friend and foster sister who is engaged to me. Of late, Bhimathanva, the brother of the princess, has cast his eyes on her and persecuted her with his importunities. Knowing his character, I have great fear, lest some day he should use violence towards her. This is why I am so anxious and uneasy, and have no inclination to join the festivities. Just then I heard the tinkling of anklets, and a young lady came to the place where we were sitting. On seeing her, my companion started up with great delight, and taking her by hand, introduced her to me, saying, This is the lady whom I have told you of dearer to me than life, the thought of separation from whom, through the wickedness of that wretch, burns me like fire and causes me to suffer misery greater than death. I have no loyalty or respect towards him, and will lose my life rather than suffer him to accomplish his wicked purpose. But she, with tears in her eyes, said, O oh, my beloved, do not on my account engage in any act of violence, whatever might be the result your own life would certainly be forfeited. You have continually professed your great love for me. Be guided now by my advice. I am ready to follow you wherever you go. Let us then fly from this country and go where we shall be safe from my persecutor. My new acquaintance then turned to me and said, You seem to have been a great traveler. Tell us in what country we may be most in safety and best able to live. I smiled at this and answered, The world is wide, 
and there are plenty of countries pleasant to live in. But after all, one's own country is the best. Why should you banish yourselves? I think I can contrive some means by which you will be enabled to remain here in safety and comfort. Wait then a while, and if I cannot do this, I will tell you where it will be best for you to go. Before we had time to say more, the young girl started up saying, I dare not stay a moment longer. I have stopped away from my mistress to see you, and now I hear her coming, and must join her directly. Anyone may see the princess at this festival. I hope you will have a good view of her. Saying this to me, she ran off, and we both followed her to the place where the princess was to perform an open stage which had been erected in the park. Presently, she made her appearance, followed by a train of female attendants, and the moment I saw, and the moment I saw her, my heart was drawn towards her. I almost doubted whether she were a goddess or a mortal. But when she began to play, I was even more captivated by her graceful movements than I had been by her beauty. First, she made a low obeisance in honor of the goddess, then taking up the bright red ball with her slender fingers, she let it drop as if accidentally, and striking it as it rebounded, caught it on the back of her hand and set it high into the air. Then she made it rise and fall, at first slowly, then faster, and then very rapidly, keeping time to it by graceful movements of the feet. Sometimes it seemed to stand still, sometimes to fly up like a bird. At one time she would strike it alternately with her right hand and left hand, at another send it high into the air, dancing meanwhile on to her own singing. Then the ball would go quite away and come back as if of itself. Thus she went on a long time amidst the applause, the applause of the surrounding spectators performing various graceful movements, striking the ball with feet as well as hands, and even making it whirl round and round her so rapidly that she seemed to be enclosed in a fairy red cage, now with one hand holding up her dress or replacing her hair which had fallen down and keeping the ball in motion with the other, now taking several balls and keeping them all in the air at once. At last the performance was ended, and after again making a low voice in order of the goddess, she walked slowly around the stage, leaning on the arm of her foster sister Chandrasena, and followed by her maidens, casting several significant glances at me, and especially giving me one long lingering look as she withdrew. My friend Gosadasa, who had stood near me all the time, invited me to his house where I was most hospitably entertained. In the evening Chandrasena, the lady to whom he had introduced me, came to see me. I said to her, I promised to find some means of freeing you from the importunities of the prince. This is what I have thought of. I have a magic ointment a small quantity of which applied to your face will make you look like a monkey in the eyes of all who see you. Your persecutor will certainly be disgusted and give you no more annoyance. Truly, I am exceedingly obliged to you, she answered, for such a charming proposal. But whatever I may be in a future birth, I have no inclination to be turned into a monkey now. If you have nothing better than this to propose, we shall not esteem your wisdom very highly. 
Happily, I have thought of something much better. You have heard that, according to the word of Durga, the princess is to be allowed free choice of a husband. You are greatly in love with her, and she is favorably disposed towards you. From your appearance, my mother, of whom she is very fond, will do everything in her power to promote your interests, and no doubt she will choose you. The king and queen will, of course, give their consent, and the marriage, once completed, there will be no further danger since Bhimathanva will be subject to you and you will be able to easily protect me wait therefore a few days and I and my mother will do our best on your behalf but I must not stay longer my mistress will be waiting for me after she was gone Gosadasa and I got into conversation about that which so greatly concerned us both and so much interested were we that we never thought of going to bed but sat up talking all night. In the morning I went to the park and stood for some time near the stage on which I had seen the princess and in imagination saw her there again in some of those graceful attitudes which she had displayed. While I was thus deep in thought, I was accosted by Bhima Dhanwa, who introduced himself to me, appeared very friendly, sat down with me, and after some conversation invited me to his house. Having no suspicion of treachery, I accompanied him to the palace, where I was most hospitably entertained. After dinner, not having slept the night before, I lay down and was soon fast asleep, and dreaming of my beloved princess. Presently, I was suddenly awakened and found my arms bound with an iron chain, and Bhimadhanva, with angry countenance, standing near me. While wretch, he said, you fancied you could plot in safety and still thought, and all which that girl said was overheard, and brought to be by one of my spies who heard it through the open window. My silly sister, forsooth, is in love with you. You are to marry her and make me your subject, and you will order me to give up Chandrasena, that she may marry her lover. You are much mistaken. I am not so easily managed as that. We shall soon see how your fine projects will end. Then calling two strong men, his servants, at his command, they lifted me up, carried me down to the sea, and threw me in as I was. Notwithstanding the chain, which confined my arms, I managed to keep afloat, till by a lucky chance I fell with a piece of wood, and by throwing myself across it, managed to hold on, and was carried out to the sea. After floating all night, in the morning I was seen from a ship, sailing that way, and taken on board. The captain, however, who was a foreigner, had not much compassion on me, and only thought, as I was young and strong, how much he could get by selling me as a slave. It did not even release my hands. I had not been long on board, however, when the ship was attacked by pirates, who surrounded it with their boats, and poured in a shower of arrows and